This is Entrepreneurs Get Visible, the podcast for people who want more impact, influence, and income. I'm Anna Parker-Naples, and I'll be sharing with you proven methods from leading entrepreneurs that help you get visible as an authority in your field. Because anything's possible when you get visible. In today's episode of Entrepreneurs Get Visible, we're talking about the importance of being intentional and going after your big vision. This is something I'm passionate about helping people to do and how to work out your big fat goals and ambitions is part of what I share inside my book, Get Visible, How to Have More Impact, Influence and Income. If you haven't read it yet or had a listen on Audible, well, first of all, why not? You're crazy, you're missing out. But if you'd like to support me, then go over and grab a copy on Amazon, Audible or from the link in the show notes. And if you have read it already or you've listened to it on Audible, then I would absolutely love a review from you. Let me know how did it touch you to dream a little bit bigger and be more intentional in what you go after. Now, today's guest, I am very, very excited to have on the show. She is the founder of an incredible online community, bringing together women from all over the world to learn how to build businesses that are wildly successful. Her book, She Means Business, is an international bestseller, and it's inspiring and motivating women to just get on with it and get started. So I am absolutely delighted to bring to you today the founder of the Female Entrepreneur Association, the one and only Carrie Green. So Carrie, thank you so much for coming on to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. It is so wonderful to have you here. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. So what you don't know is I've kind of done a few posts about this recently is that if it wasn't for you, and I'm sure you hear this time and time again with what you do, if it wasn't for you and some of your lead magnets and your opt-ins that I signed up for probably about four, maybe even five years ago, I wouldn't have that brainwave to start doing what I do. And that's really powerful. And so, so thank you. I mean, for me, I think, well, I know exactly what it was. I listened to a download. You had one Christmas. So it must have been maybe four years ago, maybe three. And I was at my mother-in-law's for Christmas. We'd done a lot of, we'd done a lot of parent visiting by this point, (laughs) you know. And I said to my husband, I just need 10 minutes, just need 10 minutes to myself. So I, I knew that I'd, got, I'd seen your opt-in. I'd seen it and it was, a, it was a visualization and it was about, I don't know, having the best year in whatever year we were going into. And I listened to that. And as we're talking here, Carrie can see that I'm sitting in my recording studio. I can remember thinking, but hold on a minute, I'm a voiceover artist and I do a visualization and I love the mindset stuff. That's all I talk about ever. Hang on a minute. If Carrie can do it, I can do it. And it literally set off a chain reaction to what is possible for me. And at that point, I didn't even really know about your membership. And then I ended up joining. And um, if any of you don't know, which we'll talk about in a minute, Carrie has an amazing membership. I'll hand over to you and you you talk a little bit about Female Entrepreneurs Association. (laughs) Firstly, thanks for saying all that stuff, because it's really nice to know, because I think sometimes, especially when you have an online business, you sometimes forget the impact that what you create has. And I definitely sometimes forget. I'm like, does anyone see this? Um, so it's nice to know. I feel like sometimes you I need to go dig up that old stuff. You don't realise the impact of the things that you do. And you don't always get that feedback either. You know, yeah. you might see who's clicked on what email and, and that kind of thing, the, the stats around it. But you don't always hear the stories. And it's those things actually that really touch people's lives. Yeah, exactly. It's nice and I, I think I think as well, Carrie, in many ways with your membership, you've got sort of 5,000 plus members. 
in many ways, I feel like you led the way, particularly in the UK, for many other women, particularly running online businesses. And it was crazy, really. And it is amazing. It makes me realize how much I love what I do. I love doing something that makes a difference. So what was the journey then? For those people who don't know you, what was it that led to you founding a membership in that way? Well, the membership came a couple of years after I started FEA. So I started the Female Entrepreneur Association because I had been running an online business since 2005 and I felt so isolated. And I went along to business networking events and I would meet people in suits who did not understand the online world, who literally kind of thought it was all a bit crazy and weird. And I'd already realized how powerful the internet was. The fact that you could have an idea and as long as you could figure out how to get yourself in front of the people that would want to buy from you, you could create a successful business. So with realizing how powerful the internet was for building businesses, but also this sense of loneliness, actually building an online business, I had this desire to create a community for for women to bring us together. Because I was like, where are the women? I just want to have some wine and talk about my problems about with building a business. And it didn't exist as far as I could see. And so I started the FEA in 2011. And then for the first two years, I literally focused on building up my audience. And so that's what I worried about for the first two years. 2013, I had the idea to actually build the membership site. And by the end of 2013, I'd set it up and launched it. And the membership was to, as a way to kind of like, take those subscribers and fans and followers and say, for any of you that want more support, more help, want to come together in a more meaningful way, I've created this space where there will be trainings and a community and we can just get to know each other on a deeper level and we can just connect more. And so that's kind of what the idea was behind the membership. And so, yeah, so launched that in 2013. And obviously, I mean, I'd never done it before, so I had no idea what I was doing. But I think the most important thing was just knowing that I needed to create a space that was going to be really powerful for those women who were so passionate about turning their idea into a successful business. Mm. Um, And I think, I mean, I've been in Carrie's membership now since, I don't know, maybe three years or so. And one of it's one of, it's the one of the things, the Facebook group particularly, that I never want to leave. It's the one thing I say I'm staying no matter what <laughs> because of that sense of community. And I think that's what is amazing about what you've created with Female Entrepreneur Association is that we're in it together feeling. Yeah. And in many ways, with online businesses, we can reach the whole world. We can reach everywhere. But there is this feeling of isolation very mm-hmm. often. And that's that's challenging, isn't it? And particularly when, you know, many of us have children, families, responsibilities, and the peaks and troughs that happen in your own emotional journey, never mind managing a business as well. You're nodding very heavily at me. So I know <laughs> you kind of recognize this. So you you recently, you had a baby last year, a year before? Yeah, the end of 2018. So what's that meant for you, having had this very big organization and you are the, you know, the figurehead of it, it's very much your baby, and then you have a child and you've got so many people looking to you for inspiration and actually you've got baby to feed and everything else. What was that transition like for you? So it was crazy because so I basically worked right up until the point of having him and you obviously don't know what to expect before you have a baby. And so I knew that I was going to take off time. So he was born on the 18th of October. So I knew that I was giving myself up until the new year to just enjoy the time. And I largely did do that, but I had moments of feeling completely guilty where I felt like completely out of the loop with the business. I didn't know what was going on. I kind of felt like 
is it going to all unravel? So I still felt the pressures of, of the business. And then I would kind of do some work and then I'd feel really guilty because then I wasn't really being there for Casey, my son. And then I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I think in the end, I think through speaking to friends and, you know, realized that it was such a precious time and I could either flip myself in half and feel guilty about it, or I could just focus on enjoying the moment because it was such a fleeting moment. You know, your mm-hmm. baby's only tiny for such a short period of time. And so I just kind of like stopped giving myself a hard time and just enjoyed it. And then I started to get back into work a bit more in the January and I didn't realize how unmotivated I was going to feel. I thought it's the new year. I'll feel really excited to get back on it, but I just didn't. And I remember, I think in probably the February or the March, I remember sat on my sofa being like, okay, I need to make a video because I'd run out of content by this point because I had batch created content Mm -hmm. before he came along. And so I sat on the sofa and made a video saying that I was going to, you know, I'm excited to come back and I'm going to make stuff. And I remember doing it. And deep down, I just kind of thought, I don't feel this. Like I didn't know what to say anymore because everything about the business was about inspiring people and telling people about the business journey. But I wasn't building the business at that point. I Inspirational quotes felt totally out of alignment with me because that's not mentally where I was at. Mm. So I felt like a fraud. Like share, It felt really inauthentic, me sharing that stuff because I was just in baby land. So I struggled to know like, what do I say? What do I share? And then it honestly took me probably like a year to start feeling like I was back in the flow with it all. I never thought it would take that long to get back into it. But yeah, it was hard as well because you just, I mean, people kept saying to me, you've just created a life. You've just, you're raising this baby now. Like it's, you don't, you're not giving yourself permission to like honor what's just happened. You're just putting so much pressure on yourself to be able to do everything and you can't do everything but it's really hard when you are the founder of that company and so much is riding on you especially when you've got full-time employees and you think I provide their livelihood so you have this level of responsibility to make sure things grow and that it's successful and it's so yeah so it's just it's a lot of pressure I think so many people will resonate with that that sometimes something happens in your life um whether it's a birth or something that goes on. And actually you then, the business you love, the business you felt passionate about, not that you fall out of love with that, but you don't have that energy. It's not your focus. Your brain is a muddle. I've just had a bereavement um, this week and it wasn't even my immediate family, but it's someone I was close to. And I can feel that I'm not, I'm not quite where I would normally be. And yeah. it's strange when you are passionate, you are driven, your job is to inspire and motivate people to then not, not be in that place. And yeah. I think, I think it's important to share that stuff with people when you're ready. I'm just yeah. not there yet. I'm just not there yet. Uh, it's very much about giving people permission, isn't it? I think so. It is just hard. It's hard to juggle it all. The one thing I always think about business is that it's just all an adventure and an experiment. And I just always bring myself back to that thought because it helps me to keep going because I realize it doesn't need to be perfect. I don't need to have this figured out. I don't need to be growing, creating like this 10 times growth or whatever you silly goals you come up with in your head. And I just think, just stop. Like, I think for me, like zooming out of life, out of the day to day and seeing the bigger picture and looking at things from that perspective helps me to realize like, okay, things are fine. This is good. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Enjoy the moment. Because like the number of times over the past year where I've just felt like I've been living in the day to day and not really truly experiencing life and being there and I just think I can't keep doing that and so I 
and remind myself that it's actually, I'm doing this because it's fun and I'm doing this so it can provide me with the lifestyle that I want. So why don't I just I'll let that actually happen rather than... Yeah, fighting it all about, Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So. And so you released She Means Business several years into running. She Means Business is your book. And for those of you who don't know, we'll put it all in the show notes. So you released that several years into running the membership. What did that do for you and your level of visibility at that time? The book was amazing because it just created a lot of hype around FEA and around me. And I think when somebody reads your book, it creates a different level of connection and in a way, like an authority. And I actually, it's hard for me to understand it when other people come and say that to me, but I understand it from the perspective of when I read other people's books and I really love them, I definitely am like, wow, that was such a good book. And then I want to learn more from that person. So I think a book is powerful because if somebody actually reads your book and enjoys it, they definitely want more and they tell people about it. So the amount of posts on Instagram I get tagged in from people like sharing the book, talking about it. And I was really intentional when I wrote it and and I'm really intentional with FEA when I create stuff because I've always wanted to feel like the best friend. I don't want to feel like I'm necessarily the expert telling you what to do. I want you to feel like I'm in the trenches with you and that we are on this journey together. And I was really intentional when I wrote the book that that's the vibe I wanted to get across. And the number of people who say to me, I feel like you're my best friend and I really know you. And it's it's just really funny that people have that experience Mm -hmm. when they read it. And I think that's partly your, your writing style as well. That's very much how it comes across and even just breaking things down. It's, you know, it really is a great manual for people in business, anyone in online business, man or woman. But it does feel like a, a, an ongoing conversation, which is just wonderful. I noticed when I was reading it that it's very geared up for an international market. Whenever you talk about pricing, you're talking dollars. Yeah. So talk me through the process behind that. Was that a decision you made or the publishers made? Um, we kind of made it together because it was the same with the spelling. We had to decide whether we were going to go with yeah. UK spelling or, Ameri- or US spelling. And um, in the end, we decided US because the market is bigger yes. and the, my audience is bigger in the US than it is in the UK. So that wow. was basically what we ended up basing it off of. So I actually just got the sales report through for the last 90 days and there's significantly more sales of the book in the States. I mean, obviously there's a lot more people in the States, yeah. but just the marketplace in general. When you take yourself back, Carrie, to when you had this idea, you had this idea that I just want to bring some women together. I mean, it was a bit more than that. Could you even have had any idea at that point what you would create? How big were you thinking in the first instances? I think I was thinking really big, but all I knew was that if I could build an audience of people who loved what I was doing, I knew I could make it work. Mm. And the same goes for anyone. Mm. Like, for any of us building businesses with an idea, if we can just build that audience, we can create so much success. And I knew that if other people could do it, it was possible for me. Like I remember, you know, 2008, 2009, being sat on webinars with people talking about their success with online businesses. And part of you is like, are these people making this up because they come out with these outrageous numbers? And you're like, really? Did you really make that much money from a Mm -hmm. webinar? But then the other part of you is like, well, hang on, if they are saying this and it is true, like if they can do it, how can I figure out how I can do it? And it's weird because when you've not actually started down that journey yet, it feels so out of reach and almost impossible. But once I started to get into it and I had this clarity around what my vision and mission was and where I wanted to sit in this online world and this online space, I thought I've got clear vision for what I want to achieve. 
now I need to go out there and learn how do I build an email list? How do I grow a social media following? How do I create visibility? And like I said, I knew that if I could figure those things out, that I could be just as big as other people who were creating success. So there's something interesting there that you said. I was actually on a client call about this not so long ago, just about half an hour ago, about that sense you saw people and uh, and what they were doing in the online space. And you decided, actually, if they can do it, I can be there with them. I can decide where I'm going to be. That's very intentional language. And I love that about you. So where did you want to be? In your own words, what, what were you aiming for? Well, when I started FEA, the vision was to create the largest online platform for women in business. So it wasn't necessarily, at the time, I didn't know about Marie Folio. I didn't know about any of those people Mm. at all. So it wasn't like I was looking at that kind of person thinking, I want to be where they are. It was just that I knew I wanted to create the largest online platform to support women in business and to bring us together in like a community. That was it. And so not only the biggest, but the best. So that was my goal and my vision that I was working towards. And I think once I had that big vision, it was just kind of like, well, what do I need to do today that's going to bring me close to that vision? So for example, when I first started, I didn't have a network of people. I didn't know how am I going to get this out there. And I thought, well, I'm looking for other women who are building businesses. And at the time I used LinkedIn. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go on LinkedIn and I'm going to try and see if there's women on LinkedIn who would want to share their story. And so I started this feature on the website called How She Did It. And I literally, I remember putting a message out in a LinkedIn group saying, hey, I'm running a series of interviews to share stories of women in business. If you're interested in that story with me, let me know. And I remember within a short period of time, these messages flooded in of people who had stories to share. And so that started and then that built momentum. And then from there, I was like, well, I'm getting all these people and I'm interviewing all these people. I was networking like a crazy person in real life. And I was going to networking events. I was up and down like a yo-yo on the train to London. I literally, when someone sent me a request to go to an event on LinkedIn, I'd be like, yep. And I wouldn't know what the hell I was going to. So I reached out to someone, I got someone to design the magazine. And then I literally put a wish list together of all the people that I would love to interview that just seemed really crazy and far-fetched. And I remember reaching out to Kim Kiyosaki, who wrote this book I'd read called Rich Woman, and thinking, there's no way she's going to let me interview her. This magazine doesn't even exist yet. And I literally went on the website, the contact form, sent an email, and then they said yes. And I was like, what the hell? It was that easy. This is crazy. Mm. And so interviewed her and then interviewed people like Louise Hay and Michelle Moan and Jacqueline Gold and all these people. And I was just like, wow, like this is possible. But in doing that, it really elevated the authority of me and FEA because people associate you with the people that you are associating yourself with. Yes. And so that was kind of the next step. And then obviously I was also building my Facebook following and building my email list. And I remember at one point reaching out to Lewis House, I was on his email list and he sent this weekly email and I opened it and I was reading the blog post on his website and in the comments, he left his email address. So I copied his email address and I emailed him and I just said, Hey, I love what you're doing and I'd love to support you in any way I can. And really didn't expect to hear back. And then he did email me back. And within a week, I was doing a joint venture webinar with Amy Porterfield, where she had a program called FB Influence. And I was like, bloody hell. And that we made like, I can't remember, I think I made personally like two and a half thousand dollars from this webinar. And I was like, wow, I just spent an hour of my time literally doing nothing because I was hosting it. So she was teaching it. I was like, wow, I made two and a half thousand dollars just for me. And then we did another one. And then I did one with James Wedmore on YouTube stuff. And then we did one with 
on Pinterest with Melanie Duncan at the time. And that one did like $20,000 from an hour's webinar. And I was like, this is insane. Mm. And so I started to be associating myself with all these people. And so I kind of like looked, I think it's looking and being strategic about how are you going to raise your profile and for people to see you as the leader? And if you want to be seen as a leader, then you have to become that leader. You mm. have to be associated with names out there that people know of. Like, I mean, okay, not everyone might know these people, but like Louise Hay, she was the founder of Hay House. To me, that was a big deal because Hay House was always the publishing company that I wanted to be published with. Or Gabrielle Bernstein, New York Times bestselling author. She's on the cover of the magazine. Then people know that there's, there's a connection between Gabrielle yeah. Bernstein and Carrie Green. So and it's, it's powerful stuff. And yeah. what interests me is that you saw an opportunity. So with Lewis Howes, he runs School to Greatness podcast, which is fabulous. You saw his email and you thought, I'm going to go for it. Now, the amount of people who would think, oh, I'm not going to get what I want and they're going to think I'm overreaching and so wouldn't send the email and yeah. wouldn't have the courage to do that. And actually, you have to create for yourself where you want to be, whether that's specific yeah. people or just an idea of, of where you're going. But and, I, you know, the, I think that that is how you change. And that is thing, how you change your world. I do agree. And the thing that's really important is that I think that sometimes people miss is that you have to bring something to the table. So when I reached out to Lewis, I had been working for like a year and a half or, or if not longer on building my email list on my social media. And while it wasn't necessarily huge, I'd been running the magazine. So I had been interviewing really big people for the magazine. I was already making a name for myself. So I was, people were becoming aware of me and FEA in that online space. You know, okay, so when I started the magazine, I was reaching out to some people I perhaps wasn't as well known, but I was still definitely, I'd been building FEA for a year by that point. Mm. So I think it's knowing that you've got to go to the table with something really good. Bring value. Um, yeah. And that's the thing. It, it, everything comes back down to value. When you're building a business, I think this is the thing that sometimes people get confused on. I hear so many people saying, I want to build a seven-figure business. Well, I think the way to build a seven-figure business is to stop saying, I want to build a seven-figure business and actually start thinking, how do I show up and provide the most value I can possibly provide and have a really clear vision and mission and know who exactly it is that I'm serving. Because yeah, if you get that right, that then the seven figures comes along. And so... I just think it is about, if you're an entrepreneur, you're here to be of service. And I think a lot of people maybe haven't quite... At what point did you think that for yourself though, Carrie? At what point did you think, I'm an entrepreneur, therefore I'm of service? I think it's when I started FBA because funnily enough, in 2009, I actually started a challenge for myself and I called it Mission to Make a Million in 365 Days. And I started this website to blog about my journey to make a million in three in, in a year. And I was looking over it recently because I'm trying to figure out book number two and I thought this might be a fun kind of way to start the book off. And day one, I was like, I was really lazy today. I was supposed to go to the gym. I didn't go. And like, I, I the days progress and I just don't do anything. And I get to day 65 and I'm like, I think this is not going to happen. And it just feels really hard. And, and then that was basically the second to last entry of my blog. And then I just gave up on the challenge. And then in 2011, when I started FEA, I just had this realization that it's not about the money. It's not about me getting something from this. It's about me showing up to give. And when that light bulb moment happened, and it literally was a light bulb moment of realizing I could just do something that could help other women in business or bring us together. And if I can just show up, and be of service. And I probably didn't think it in these exact words in my head, mm. but it was this feeling I had of just knowing that if I show up and I'm of service to people, I can create success. I think in a way, 
I actually had some money blocks because I'd built this first business that was successful. And then I'd done this mission to make a million challenge and totally failed. With my first business, it was actually really financially successful and I had loads of money and I felt more miserable than ever before. And it made me think money doesn't make me happy. Mm. And I want to do something that's meaningful, that will give meaning to my life and purpose to my life. And I thought if I focus on making FEA about making money, I'm going to take it in the wrong direction because it's going to become about me rather than about them. And so I felt like I couldn't make money. So then after like two years of building FEA, just before I started doing those joint venture webinars, while it was actually successful and I was running the magazine, I was literally totally running out of money. I remember that Christmas, I had no money to buy Christmas presents for people. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot keep growing FEA if I can't get over this money block and figure out and like actually get out of my own way to make this financially sustainable. Mm. And then I did a load of money work and I got someone to teach me how to create my own guided visualizations. And I made a financial abundance one. I made the decision that I was going to get out of my own way. And then that's when I saw the email from Lewis and I was like, I'm going to email him. So it was like everything. It's amazing, isn't it? How those things kind of all come together and how there's there's always a little piece, piece of the puzzle that you're building all of the time. Uh, For me, I, I really strongly resonate with that kind of moment of going, actually, whatever I'm doing has to not be just about me, has to be about other people. And I created success previously. That was all about me. It was all about me and what results I got. But actually, once I've done that, well, what does it mean? What does it matter? And for me, actually, I had a very, very strong moment of, I've got so much more to give and I want to help other people realize their own potential that they can create whatever they want for themselves. And that for me is my guiding light as to what I do and what I get out and do. And particularly when I have stumbling blocks and we're going to come to a close fairly shortly, but this hasn't been plain sailing for you. There must have been ups and downs. What do you think has been the biggest failing that you've had in running FEA? And what have you learned from that? And what did that change for you? The biggest failing. The thing that biggest failing in your journey to getting it to where it is now. I feel like I'm only saying this based on how I've felt over the past couple of years rather than when I started out. But the thing that I've struggled with the most out of anything is team and operations. It's been my nightmare. It's just been the hardest thing because before when it was just me and I was doing it, I knew I could work really, really, really hard. I could figure it out. I could do it. I could bring something to life but when you're relying on other people to bring your ideas to life and you're then trying to communicate with them how to bring something to life and my gosh it's just like it's and trying to give them authority over what yeah. they do but it's your vision yeah challenge not doing it right and then sometimes it's actually more det- detrimental to the business and you're like bloody hell I've just paid for someone to make something worse <laughs> It's actually really challenging and the emotion that goes into that and the level of responsibility that goes into it. And and also, I'm really good at taking an idea and working really hard to bring it into reality. But when you step into more of the CEO role and you've got a team, you're the visionary, not the doer. And that's where, I mean, I'm, I love being that visionary, but then you need a really good team of doers. And I don't get me wrong, there's some, some amazing people on the team, but over the years, it's just been such a struggle to actually find who I've needed to actually create the growth that I've wanted. And so, yeah, like I feel for me, the past two and a half years have been this like so many ups and downs, especially with having Casey in the whole mix of it all. It puts a lot of extra pressure on it. It's a big thing to go from solo entrepreneur, working on my own, isolated at home with a mission to connect with other people, but essentially on my own, to then having a team 
a, uh-huh. a big, a largish team, not not a tiny team, that are then having to do all of the tasks that you would not ordinarily stay up until three o'clock in the morning to finish exactly. that bit on the website or to do that opt-in and to build that lead magnet and to build the automation. It's, that's yeah. a big leap to make. It is. And it's, you go from being able to do something to all of a sudden there being 10 people and having to communicate clearly and then it being like, okay, well, for you to do this, this needs to happen, then this needs to happen, then this needs to happen, but then this person do this, this needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is a tangled mess of just stuff. And and, it, and it's just, it's really challenging. And like, I have moments where I'm just like, scrap it all. I want to go back to keeping it simple. And then I'll I go back moments, to bed. <laughs> yeah. And then I have moments of being like, no, if you can just keep pushing through and figuring this out, yeah. you can create something so much more amazing. Yeah. So like at the moment, we are just about to move into our offices, which is the first time we've had offices and I'm so excited to work from there. It's a whole different ball game though with like full-time employees and actual like having an office. It's really different. But I am excited for the challenge of figuring it out. But I think it has been the hardest challenge for me. You definitely reach a point in business, depending if you want to kind of create that next level of growth where you can't it was kind of a case of what got me here won't get me there. But I am a creative person. I don't think I'm a good manager. Like, and, but that not. you didn't like, set out to become a manager. No, and that's the thing, isn't it? You're always evolving. And no matter if your business becomes successful as a solo entrepreneur, you're going to want to grow. So that's going to mean different challenges. And it's kind of embracing all of those things as you go. Yeah. So for someone then, Carrie, who is just starting out in business or has been going a few years, but they're maybe not getting the results they want, what would you say to them? What would be your piece of advice for how they get out there and build the business that they want? I think firstly, the most important thing is looking at like what the vision is and do you actually have clarity around what it is you're trying to achieve, where you're trying to get to and who it is that you're trying to serve. I think that's really fundamental because I think you can try all the list building strategies or social media strategies that you want, but if you don't know what your vision is and mission is and who your audience are and you don't have a compelling strategy for what you're going to actually produce that's going to really align with your mission and resonate with your audience, then you're never going to make that the strategies for growth work. So I think looking at that first and making sure that truly feels good and that you really are clear on what it is that's going on with that foundation stuff. And then once you kind of have that in place, I think it's keeping it really, really simple. And for me, I looked at building my email list And at the time I focused on growing on Facebook because that was what was really working. So perhaps now I know people who focus on like just growing on Instagram or people that focus on just growing on Pinterest. I think if you try to do everything at the same time, Mm. then you actually struggle to have a breakthrough because you're so split that you can't actually put the level of discipline and focus into that one thing that you need to. It's like, I always say, if you were trying to learn the piano and the clarinet and the violin at the same time, mm. it would be a bloody nightmare. But if you just learn one at one time, the progress you could make in a year would be amazing. Try and learn all three in a year. And oh my gosh, you're in for it. Like it's going to be such a struggle. Yeah. In business, what we tend to do is feel like we have to do everything. And then doing everything actually leads to not succeeding. Mm. So I think it's just kind of getting really clear on what those core platforms are that you're going to focus on in terms of getting out there. Like I said, I focused on Facebook at the time and then focused on building my email list. And I think it's just then looking at, okay, like what do I need to learn? What do I need to do? How am I going to be insanely disciplined and consistent with actually following through with this? And then paying attention, like we're all experimenting. And so it's like, if for example, like Instagram is going to be your thing, 
and you're not getting results on Instagram right now, it's being completely honest with yourself and thinking, well, am I being consistent? And if you are being consistent and people just aren't engaging or it's not growing, you have to ask yourself, there's something going wrong here and I need to figure out what's going wrong if I want to be able to move forward. And it's about being able to get brutally honest with yourself so that you can actually acknowledge the mistakes that you're making. So it might be that you're putting stuff out that just isn't very compelling. It doesn't look nice. People aren't interested in it. It's all wishy-washy. It's all over the place. You can't put crap out and expect people to respond. Mm. You have to be honest with yourself to the point where you realize this is not going to cut it. Like I have to figure out how to get better. And it's a bit brutal, but that is how I grow my business by being brutal with myself and mm. realizing when I'm not doing good enough and realizing I need to up level. Like if I mm. want to be a, a leader in this, I have to become the leader and produce content that a leader would produce. Yeah. I think that's brilliant advice and really sound advice. Thank you so much for coming on today, Carrie. It's been oh, wonderful to talk to you. And you. if anyone wants to find out about Carrie's book, then head over to the show notes and you can grab yourself a copy from there. So thank you so much for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneurs Get Visible. To get your free checklist on how to raise your profile and to find out about our community, go to annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash get visible.